of Jesus Christ proves that God is so passionate for you. That's why they call that last week of the life of Jesus the passion of Jesus. It's not the dispassion of Jesus. It's not the detachment of Jesus. It's like, for God so loved the world that he came to get you, that it cost Jesus everything because he was willing to give up everything for the pearl of great price, for that treasure that was buried in the field. He sold everything he had to buy that. You know what that treasure is? It's us being redeemed by the true and living God. Pastor Daniel brings up an interesting idea today. If you were the only one on earth who needed to be rescued from sin, Jesus still would have come down to earth to die on the cross. That's how passionate he is about each one of us. God knew we'd never be able to do enough to be perfect. His love for us sent his son to die in our place. That grace we've received needs to be a catalyst to extend Jesus' love to the world around us. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 22 with part two of his message, Real Life. For the Jewish people, it was a very common discussion of we need to prioritize and wait certain commandments because 613 is a lot and we're going to try, but we really want to know what is the most important core questions. And so this was a common question of the day. And Jesus answered quite simply, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, know what I like to call this? That you and I need to live upward. We need to live upward. Which is the idea is the greatest commandment deals with God first. And so I like to call it upward because I always think of the idea of worship, that we're raising up our hearts and we're raising up our hands and we're saying, God, I want to praise you. And then there's something exalting about this whole thing because God is exalted and he's majestic. And so I call that living upward, right? And it's a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. So Jesus took Deuteronomy 6, 5, that verse right in that classic prayer that was prayed by Jewish people every single day, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. I mean, here it doesn't say strength, but in Mark's gospel it does. And so the idea is that when it relates to living upward, it's all about love, and it's all about God, and it involves all of us. Do you get that? It's all about love, it's all about God, and it involves all of us. That's how we live different, is that you and I radically live upward. Now, you got to ask yourself, is it all about love for you? See, God isn't interested in you being a captain in his army who doesn't love him but is simply obedient. See, love is a powerful thing. We're going to look at it for Christmas time, that the greatest of these is love. Love is the most revolutionary activity in the world. When we speak of biblical love, of course. I always like to say we got to define these words. Because you guys know I love me some Twinkies. But that is not the type of love that God is talking about. It's a different type of love. Because the love of the Bible is self-sacrificial. See, when you live upward, it's about loving God. Would you say right now, I love God more than I ever have? 
So like in your marriage, would you say you love your spouse more than you ever have? See, there's an old saying that says familiarity breeds contempt. And we find Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter two about this because they've been walking with Jesus for a while, but they had left that young love phase. They left that time. Because you know what it is when it's young love. I remember when Lynn and I first got married, we were sitting with some friends and we were brand newly married and we were hanging on each other and let me get a little, you know, being sweet and stuff. And one of these older sisters said, oh, nothing quite like young love, is there? And I remember thinking about that. Because you know what it is? It's like when someone first puts their faith and trust in Jesus, man, they are loving Jesus something sappy. It's like, you know, when you love Jesus, if you're the first one, the church doors open, you're there like, oh, you know? No one else is in there. There's nothing going on, but you're like, oh, Jesus. Every Facebook post is like, man, you're just like gushing on Jesus. Everyone's like, get a room. You know, I was inappropriate, sorry. But you know what I mean? But then you know what happens over time, you get used to loving Jesus. You get used to the fact that God loves you and that you respond to his love, and it kind of wanes a little bit. You know, me and Lynn talk about this a lot. We've been married for 12 years. We've got three kids, and it's like, we need to, where we were all cute and hand-holding and hugging and, and whispering, it's like, you lose that over time if you're not careful. So is your walk with Jesus really deeply devotional? the whole of who you are, all your heart, soul, in Mark's gospel, strength and mind. Now, these categories are not meant to be separated and discussed, although we can. But in the Hebrew language, this meant the totality of who you are, all your faculties, your heart, the control center of your life, your mind, your thought life, right? Your, your, your strength, the idea of your, your bodily facilities, your soul, all of the your emotions and your will and all these things that come together within you. We need to live upward in a radical way. You want to live differently, live upward. Let your life be a life of responding to the love of God. Because the Bible says we love God. Why? Because he first loved us. So God initiates this. Now, in regards to our core values, we like to say it this way, that we trust the biblical God. I think this is important because if you think about the word trust, I use that word trust a lot because as I've always told you, there's a difference between faith and trust. Faith is a belief. It's a mental belief, but trust is taking that belief and living it out. Like I always use the example, I heard it a long, long time ago. If I put a chair right here, I could say I believe that that chair can hold my weight. But you really know that I believe that when I sit in that chair. And I take my feet off the ground. That's when you know. It's the belief in action. And so for us, when we, and you got to think about it. Do you ever, do you ever love someone who you don't trust? Like truly. See, we show God that we love him by trusting him. And the God who we trust is not the generic G-O-D that 90% of humanity believes in, but the biblical God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the creator and sustainer God. Because you realize these words have power. If you talk to a Muslim, they would say, I believe in God. You talk to a Hindu, I believe in God. You talk to the average New Age, I believe in God. You talk to an atheist, they say, I don't believe in God. But I always say, when someone says, I don't believe in God, 
Or they say, I do believe in God. I say, well, which God do you believe in or don't believe in? And you know what's amazing? 99 out of 100 times, I don't believe in that God either. Because the word's a generic word. It's got much cultural baggage. But when you say the biblical God, now we got some teeth on that thing. Do you trust the biblical God and are you living upward, returning to that biblical God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God of the Bible, the God who teaches us all things that we need for life? Are we loving that God with all that we are? Oh, see, I say that and I'm just hearing, I'm like, I'm not doing it either. Lord, help me. See, I love this because it's that next step again. God's saying, Daniel, I want you to be less heady. I want you to be less in your head about this stuff, and I want you just to return my love. Oh, brothers and sisters, listen. Be a radical lover of God. Because you know what? He's a radical lover of you. I mean, did it ever stop you right in your tracks to think that if I was the only lost person in the world, Jesus would have came to get me still? If all of you guys had it all together and I was the only one, Jesus still would have come on that rescue plan. Why? Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And if I'm the one lost sheep out of the hundred who are all together, he's still coming to get. And that's not just true for me, that's true for you as well. I think there's some of you right now, you don't believe that though. You're here today saying, no, 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 God could never love me. I've made too many mistakes and there's too much stuff that's gone on. And you know, Fusco, you don't really realize, like, I'm a train wreck. I'm here to tell you, yeah, you're right, I don't. But what I can tell you is that God does. And God is so passionate for you. And I think deep down in your heart of hearts, even though you're resisting that passion, you know it to be true. Like there's that part of you that's like, oh, I hope he's not lying to me. And I'm here to tell you, the cross of Jesus Christ proves that God is so passionate for you. That's why they call that last week of the life of Jesus the passion of Jesus. It's not the dispassion of Jesus. It's not the detachment of Jesus. It's like, for God so loved the world that he came to get you. That it cost Jesus everything because he was willing to give up everything for the pearl of great price. For that treasure that was buried in the field. He sold everything he had to buy that. You know what that treasure is? It's us being redeemed by the true and living God. That's what the Bible teaches. And the joy of our salvation in Christ should provoke us to love because the reason we're in Christ is because of the love of God. A love of God that never quits, that loves with full disclosure. I love telling couples are about to get married. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to harsh their mellow, you know. But it's like, but they're all in love and stuff. I'm like, man, you're going to learn all sorts of things about each other, man. It's just going to be a total mess for you guys. <laughs> That's what I want to say, you know what I mean? I just want to be like, man, you don't even know what you're getting into. If you would have known, you might not do it. <laughs> You know, but the beauty is, is God loves us with full disclosure. Like, it's not like God finds out about us after he redeems us. He chooses us and redeems us knowing exactly what we are. And he loves us still. And when you realize that you are loved with such an extravagant love, then you return that love. You say, Lord, no, do I love you, but I trust you. I trust that you know. Lord, you know I'm a mess. You know I can't get this thing together. Lord, you know left up to my own devices. I am seriously problematic. But God's love is greater than that stuff. God's love is greater than our mistakes. Even when our 
hearts condemn us. God is greater than our hearts, it says in the Bible. And we need to be intentional about living upward because we live in a world that does not understand living upward. Our world only understands living outward and inward. But it all begins upward with Jesus. Real life begins upward. And so you notice not only there, then it goes on to say in verse 3, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I call this living inward and outward. That's what I call that. Living inward and outward. Now, think about it. You shall love your neighbor, that's living outward, as you love yourself, which is inward. All right? So I've talked about all this many times here before, and so I actually have a a new book that'll come out in the fall of next year called Upward, Inward, Outward. Because if it's the greatest commandment, it's the most important commandment, we might as well talk about it, right? Let's, Let's keep this thing center stage. Now, I said live inward and outward. Now, I want to make a point about this because people get this all the time where it says that you love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then you love your neighbor outward as yourself, which means as you love yourself, which is inward. Now, someone's bound to say, because I'll talk about it, you need to love yourselves. They go, oh, no, no, my Bible says that you should be lovers of themselves, right? And it says that in Paul's letter to Timothy. But what you have to realize is when Jesus says you should love your neighbor as you love yourself, Jesus isn't saying that you don't love yourself. See, the problem in 2 Timothy is that people love themselves without loving God, which means that you make yourself God, which is a train wreck. But when you love God, God doesn't want you to have like, I hate myself in Jesus' name. That's not God's intention. See, but the problem is, is self-love divorced from who God is, is idolatry and hurts humanity. But when you understand the love that God has for you, you will view yourself properly. And I think because God loves us and we're being conformed to his image, we will learn how to love ourselves knowing that we are both fearfully, wonderfully made and fatally flawed. We have a realistic self-understanding. And listen, when you're in Christ, God wants to give you the proper way to live inward. Don't think for somebody, I gotta hate myself in Jesus' name. No, God doesn't hate you. God loves you. But you wanna deal with yourself properly. And what I've found is that for most of us, because we divorce our lives from living upward, our living inward is so jacked up that our living outward is a total mess. But when we live upward, it it deals with our inward. And then, of course, we love our neighbors, which we live outward. Now, again, this is a quote from Leviticus chapter 1918. Leviticus 19.18. So really what you have, that's, you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what it says. So when they ask you what the greatest commandment is, it says, well, you get the great Shema, and then you have Leviticus 19.18. You put these two together. And look at what Jesus says about this, because he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So the law and the prophets was the Hebrew saying all of God's word. So in two sentences, you get a complete synopsis of all of God's word. And I'm here to tell you that when you move into the New Testament, which Jesus was living out, which the apostles got to live out, that doesn't change. In two sentences, if you put these two sentences before you, you and every single day, this is your go-to way of life. That I love God with all that I am, and that I love others, I live outward as I live inward. As I love myself, if you do that every single day and you keep that in front of you, you're going to grow in the things of God. You're going to grow. It's so simple that you can memorize. I mean, how many of you have these verses memorized already? 
Okay, you all got to memorize these verses, my friends. <laughs> Brothers, sisters. Go ahead, take your pen and underline it in your neighbor's Bible. Go ahead, just, just do it. And we'll see if, how we're doing on this stuff. You know what I mean? We got to memorize these two verses. Because I'm not saying that's all you need in the Bible, but if it's all you had, you have all you need in these two verses. God has given us all of Genesis to Revelation to help unpack these two verses. But you got to ask yourself, how are you living inward and then outward? Love your neighbor. Now, to get this out there, who's your neighbor in the Bible? Everyone. And not just everyone on your block and not just everyone in your political party and not just everyone in our nation, but everyone in the whole world. Now you realize how challenging what I just said is. Because you ask yourself, in a politically charged environment like we live in, you ask yourself, if people were bombing and killing people in my country and I fled, how would I want a neighboring country to treat me? Well, obviously we want to tell them that none of them are allowed to come in. No way. Is that what you would want? Is that what God wants? You know what the answer is? Of course that's not what we would want. Of course that's not what God would want. Then why do we believe that stuff? I'll tell you why. Because we're living the way the world's living. Now, I'm not saying we should be simplistic about this because someone's going to grab me in the family and be Pastor Dan, you can't bury your head in the sand. I'm like, listen, people accuse Jesus of burying his head in the sand too. I'm not saying we should be simplistic about it, but if we don't hold to this, how would you want to be treated if you're in that situation? That's the ethics to which you deal with someone else. Instead of saying, this is how it makes me feel, you say, if I was in their situation, how would I want someone to treat me? That's what you do when you love God and then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. You're like, if I was them, how would I want to be treated? And doesn't that change every way you look at people? Instead of seeing them and their problems, you see, if I was them, what would I want someone to do for me? Now, it doesn't mean you just give everybody everything they want either because we've all lived long enough to realize that sometimes when people give us what we want, that's the last thing we really need, right? Like, let me give you an example. Here at Crossroads. We get requests from people all the time for help. All the time. You name it, we've been asked for it. Do we give something to everyone who asks? Know what the answer is? No. Why? Because sometimes the last thing somebody needs is a handout. But know what I know they do need? They do need someone to speak into their life. See, sometimes the worst thing you can do is give somebody exactly what they want because really God wants them to grow. So you have to have wisdom in these things. Like, here's something that we do. It's amazing. When people come and ask for benevolence from us, we make them fill out a whole bunch of forms. Like, well, I just need help. They're like, no, no, no. We don't understand your need until you fill out all this stuff. Why? Because it's like if we find out that someone, well, listen, I do have direct TV, and I got, like, you know, three smartphones. It's like, you really don't need our help financially. You need to get rid of some of those. You need to pay your bills within your means. That's not, you know, because you have nine cell phones with, you know, that's not my sixth cell line broke and I have unlimited data because I have a gaming problem. That's not benevolence. That's just, you need to reorder your life, you know? But it's amazing how often people get mad at us simply for asking them to fill out this information. I just, no, no, it's like, we love you enough to really want to help you. So when you live inward and outward, you don't just do everything that everybody wants because Jesus didn't teach us that. But we realize that every person is a person Create in God's image, and God wants to do a work in their life. That's why one of our core values as church is we will use whatever means necessary to help people meet Jesus. We want to love our neighbors as ourselves. I'm so grateful Jesus came to find me. We'll use every means necessary. Like literally, we'll use the television, we'll use the internet, we'll use the radio, we'll use 
individual people will serve in a million different ways. Why? Because we want people to meet Jesus. Why? Because if you love God and God loves people and he sent Jesus, and if God will use such extravagant means as given his own son, why wouldn't we want to be like him? I mean, aren't you grateful that along life's way, God sent someone somehow to get the gospel into your heart? I mean, I just think about my story, and if I start to imagine all of your stories, what God's done for you to be here today, I'm so grateful that God is not like, well, this is my favorite means. You can only get it this way. No, we use every means necessary. Not only will we use whatever means necessary to help people meet Jesus, and don't miss it before I leave this point, one of the greatest means that God uses is you. Don't miss that. God wants to use you to help people meet Jesus. You making investment in people's lives. You being a loving neighbor and a loving friend and a kind coworker. You being unashamed to say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. You want to join me at Crossroads this weekend? You being thoughtful and kind. You praying for the people around you. God wants to use you checking in on social media and inviting people on social media and filtering all your thoughts so all of the things that pass through your mind aren't on social media. God wants to use you. See, one of the things that I love, there's nothing more fun for me than when people are giving their lives to Jesus here, watching their friends and loved ones come forward. Why? Because that's why we do that, because we realize that nobody's here by accident. It's like God has used all sorts of people in their life. And you realize as we move into the Christmas season, statistics tell us that seven out of 10 people will go with their friends to church if they just asked. Like that's like shooting fish in a barrel, my friends. Like that's like seven out of 10. I mean, you gotta like them odds, right? It's not like, well, listen, one in a million people are gonna say yes. That would be depressing. Seven out of 10. That means you could do a bad job of it and you're gonna bat 700. I mean, this is good. Like, that's Hall of Fame numbers in any sport, unless you're shooting free throws like Shaq, but that's a different discussion. You always know when people are from Southern California, they boo, you know? We'll pray for you guys. <laughs> Let God use you to reach people. Let you be the means that people get connected to Jesus. And another one of our core values that we love so much that we are committed to making the world a better place. That's one of the ways that we live outward as a church family. See, we're just finishing up this Love Now Christmas project. And I have people all the time who say, you know, why do we do that stuff? I mean, like, how's that really helping? I'm like, obviously you've never been where any of these people are who we're serving if you were to ask the question. See, everything God made, what did God say? It's good. So God created a good world that broke when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel gave us some great practical applications today for how we can love and live as Jesus did. We must start with looking upward to our Creator, relying on Him to provide our identity and the love we need to be who we are. We love inwardly, treating ourselves as God does, 
and then turn that love outward to the world around us. In all of it, we need to allow God to direct our steps and conversations. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in Vancouver. Services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m., or in Southwest Portland, our service on Sundays at 10 a.m., as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses. We would love to have you join us, and if you're at a distance, check us out on our internet campus, crossroadslive.tv. I look forward to seeing you soon. The message you heard today was the conclusion of this series entitled Real Talk. Pastor Daniel hasn't been shy about addressing the difficult topics, everything from marriage to personal aspirations to how many times we need to forgive. Pastor Daniel even discussed politics. All of these intense subjects revealed to us the perspective and nature of Jesus and the ways in which we need to imitate him in our own lives. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.